Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. Use the code PULPMX to save yourself money on checkout. All new website, mobile phone friendly, best international shipping rates ever. In some cases, it's there's no shipping rates if you order enough. And uh, Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Uh, V3 uh, Instinct uh, boot and uh, airspace performance goggle and uh, you name it, they got it. Uh, Fox Racing, the official gear of Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, and a whole bunch of other fast guys. We thank BTOsports.com and we thank Fox Racing for uh, helping us out on these shows. Uh, with me on the line, my boss, the RacerX online editor, the Jason Wygant. Yeah! been far too long yeah oh wow I'll, I'll get to that in a second also on the line uh out there hawking fly racewear to the to the minions uh across the uh, the world uh the jason thomas jt what's up oh yeah we're back uh october 21st boys it's the last time we did one of these that was wow. the uh, monster cup recap show so it's been a while nice little break yeah it's been a while there's definitely some things that are really bugging me um, I haven't even had a pulp show that much to to vent on things. So, um, but in, in a way, it's been good because I've, as you guys know, via our group text message, that could get any one of us fired at any time. Um, I take my frustrations out of my mountain bike lately, so it's actually been not bad. Good for you, um, Travis Steve. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, what yeah, this mountain bike? This uh, Scott mountain bike. It's gonna break us up as a team. <laughs> what, really getting between us. What are you talking about? There's been a lot of, like, we've attempted, like, even these podcasts. Oh, hold on, but i got to go for a mountain bike ride. Come on, man. You're letting it get between us. Yes. Your exercise has become a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Who had ever thought that, right? What are the odds (laughs) of those? What were the odds that that phrase would ever be uttered to me? (laughs) Um, I think think doctors maybe, but completely opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your lack of exercise has become a problem. Right, exactly. Well, hey, man, these things got to happen. Um. If anybody ever got a hold of this group text message that we're in with John Knowles from Scott Goggles, by oh. the way, uh, chance oh. ability that that anyone us four are still holding our jobs down. I do a uh, control all delete on my phone immediately. <laughs> Actually, I guess I will keep my job because I still have Pulp MX, but that's about <laughs> it. Pookie may fire you. Might you might have to fire yourself. You might have to fire yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pookie could fire me because there's probably stuff in there about her. <laughs> Oh, um, good times. Hey, uh, Weege, uh, JT's big comeback has happened, and now he is uh, the big retirement has happened also. 
He is back into retirement. I've gone back into my cave. Yes. The safety <laughs> and the inner sanctum. He came out, went to Finland. He's back in. Now he's selling I'm fly like gear. Honey Phil. Right. <laughs> you, Whack-a-mole. you didn't see your shadow, but you saw the dirt, and then you realized that's it. All right. <laughs> was, it, was the plan all along one and done? Was this exactly what the plan was? It was going to be two and done, but, uh, yeah, I just I don't really want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> that's the great thing about being retired. You just don't have to do it anymore if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, really. Well, I think the best thing about being retired is now that you officially know you really want to stay retired. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It and it's no longer itching. Yeah, if I, if that, that's the great thing is if I had to choose right now, which one to go with, I would go with the one I'm doing. So that's that's not a bad place to be. And it's not yeah. too hey Weege, and it's not too bad being an ex pro racer. So JT's number of comebacks is at one. Uh, that's not bad for a pro motocrosser because we're at about fourteen for Tommy Hahn. We're at about I think Hamblin had a few. Um, you know Robbie Renard, um, John Dowd never seemed to. To come go away, like we're not bad. JT's in one. He's he's got one in his column, and then that, that for a pro motocrosser, that's about you know we we expect one for sure. So pretty Tommy low Hon number. Tommy Hahn is the kiss of motocross. How many last final kiss tours have there been? <laughs> right. No. Exactly. It's the Rolling Stones. <laughs> right. Right. So I mean, we expected JT to have at least one. He's done it. He's got the one. You know. Well, there is uh, there is a man. We have to talk about though is uh, we have to talk about um, that's the rivalry that JT had. I had no idea that there was a Finnish rider in the GPs back in the eighties that used to wear JT out. M- Mika Kuki, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Mika Kuki, right? <laughs> JT, you don't even know what we're talking about, probably. I'm an unaware of a Mika Kuki. Uh, we just talk about this a little he bit. Used to wear you out, bro. You don't even know. Yeah, in the eighties, Mathis. Mathis wrote observations from Finland last week, so we have a new proofreader. So Mathis wrote, "Is that am I saying his name right?" Mika yeah, Kuki, I, I, I wrote that it was it, the, the couple of Finnish heroes were at the race. Pekka Vekkonen was there, and then Mika Kuki was there too because he works for Honda. And <laughs> and I wrote that it was good. Well, maybe Mika wasn't such a legend, but he lo- always looked good in his JT gear that he wore. That's what I wrote. Like he always okay. Look good in his JT, or he wore JT. That's it. Right. Mika Kuki wore JT, and he looked bitching because he, he rode Yamahas, and he always had cool-looking gear. So the proofreader at Racer X, uh, she doesn't know much about Finnish 80s motocross, you know? Shockingly. Right. So she thought JT was Jason Thomas, and that Mika Kuki wore you out. <laughs> <laughs> so... The first draft, I, I looked Stop at it. You that kooky. I looked at it. and I'm like, it, she just assumed that I, Mika Kuki wore JT, and she put out. She added out, and she put Jason Thomas instead <laughs> of JT. Yeah, because it got I'm still to bitter me. about it. It, it. Like she read it first, and then it got to me. So by the time it got to me, it said, "I remember him wearing JT out," and I'm like, "Okay, I guess he did. I, I, I guess these guys raced. Maybe at this." Maybe it was at this Supercross back in the day or yeah. something, so I left it in. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget that beatdown. No. The kooky Thomas <laughs> battles still talked about in Finland. It was very kooky. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was, uh, 
Yeah, it was good, Weege. He, uh, you know, I mean, he came back. It was the, the fans were on their feet. And uh, I, one thing, JT, we did that little video interview for yep. Yanni's uh, website. Mm-hmm. And I got a little flack from people because th- he asked, how do we expect you to do? And you're like, ah, you know, like, whatever. I'm here to do as best I can. And, you know, I'm retired. I'm just going to try the best I can. And I went 1-1. One, one. And I kept saying 1-1. One, one. And and I think I got a little flack. Like, do you really think he's going to go 1-1? One, one? I'm like, no, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, I, I figured that was going to happen because people don't understand sarcasm anymore. Right, right. So, yeah. But you you would think that uh, – by me holding up the number one also with my finger, like very emphatic. So, yeah, that's where you get. Mm-hmm. You're assuming that's, that's where the yeah. trouble yeah. comes in, right? But uh, yeah, he's he's out, Weege. That's it, done. So, it's been good, man. Um, hey, uh, so this is this podcast just basically bench racing. We have a few topics to touch on, a few different things to to talk about. Uh, f- let's get right into one thing that I want to. Uh, Bring up. So I went to Lille or Bercy. It's now Lille. And I saw Eli Tomac just destroy everyone. And we, I don't know, did you watch any videos, Wygant? Did you see anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. And even a few things managed to be snuck in even from the next weekend, too. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, yeah. you know, Barsha was there and Pike was there. Brayton was there. And we all know Brayton in these off-season races and – you know, we all know that, and it was just it was just ridiculous. Tomac just destroyed him. The next week in Genoa, he won again. Do you think Weech, does this mean anything, Wygant, to you? I think it does. He was that good that I think it does. I don't know if it does because of those races. It's just more because of uh, who it is. I happened to run into doing my NASCAR stuff. Oh, I happened to be at the JPR NASCAR shop, and I actually saw – uh, some of the team guys over there for a meeting or something like that. And I was like, man, how'd uh, Bercy go? And and one guy said something that makes all the sense in the world. It's like, well, hey, I mean, we all know Tomac's going to be good, you know? So that's to me, that's what it comes down to. Tomac has always had the potential to be really, really good or maybe be the best guy or maybe eventually be Supercross champion. So when you see it, it's just like confirmation of, yep, he's headed in the direction we all thought he could go in. So if it were somebody else, I don't know if, how much stock I'd put into it, but you're talking a guy who has to be at least right near the top of the list uh, with anybody else. So so I think it does mean a lot, considering who you're talking uh, about. I don't know, Weege. There were, I mean, look, Eli got three podiums all on the tracks that were kind of uh, looser dirt, but there were many times where he was just fifth or sixth or whatever, you know? I mean, Last year wasn't good, but I, I don't think this is too much of a messed up year. There's no way, as good as Tomac has been most of the time in his career, that you could really think last year is realistic for how good he can be. I don't think. What do you think, JT? I think last year was uh, it was obviously pretty hit and miss, um, but I do think he's going to be a lot better this year. I think it. I think it means something. Uh, I think you know just the confidence he gained from it, you know, because we all expected Barsha to be really good and he was really good at these races last year. And Tomac was just next level from those guys. So if he comes into the season without any hiccups or anything, basically, you know, off the, the tail end of those races, yeah. I expect him to be, I expect him to be there. I think it does mean something. I think the conf, like you said, it may be not the, the, you know, the riding itself, but 
just the confidence in knowing, like, you know, yeah, just, exactly. I mean, he's never been, he's never gone out there and won Supercross races. He's never done that. You know, for all the things he's done, yeah, that's something he hasn't done. So I think that kind of gives him the confidence, like, hey, man, I was a lot better than these guys. I should be winning this year. Yeah, and and again, like. He didn't dice back and forth with Barsha and come up with the win both nights or whatever. You know right. what I mean? He was gone. See you. Bye. Right, exactly. I'm out. Yeah, like he was a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if he won Bercy, I would be like, eh, whatever. Like if he just, just managed to eke out being the king of Lille, you know, via a couple of uh, two two one 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 or whatever, I'd be like, eh, you know, whatever. That, that's awesome. But the way he rode and the way he won, that was something different and something special. I don't know. I think that's going to be... Could well, I think for, if it, if anything, it just shows that he's going to be a contender. You know, maybe he doesn't win everything or, or dominate or anything like that, but yeah. he's going to be a contender. No, no question about it in my mind. We Wait, do- was there actually like a doubt about this? That's so confused. Wasn't this already the case? Well, I well, think wh- what if he what has he done to to be a Kenny Roxon? What what has he done? To um, ma- what has he done to do, <laughs> to be ahead of Kenny Roxon? Um, it's not that long ago that they raced 250 Supercross together. You could easily make the argument that Tomac was better. Uh, you know what, Weech for, Weech, for me, I think it just went from, you know, he's going to be a guy at the, you know, up there to this is, he's a real legitimate title contender. That's, yes. That's basically what changed for me. Yes, I agree. That, that, and, and that's me too. Um, like if he won a race, yeah, great. But I look at him now like, hey, man, he's, he's one of the guys that could win this, this whole thing. You know, like, seriously, because I only think there's a few guys that seriously could win it. We just, yeah, just not, yeah. just not okay, having it. That. I, I just, I don't think we're that far removed from, <laughs> Roxon ended up having such a great year last year, and Tomac's whole year was messed up with weirdo injuries, and definitely they did not have that bike sorted, and maybe they do now. It's just one year, though. Like, if you go back to 2013, uh, like I said, you could argue that Tomac was better than Roxon in Supercross, so... Didn't seem that crazy to think. How could he possibly be at Roxon's level now? Well, he generally has been. Well, not. I mean, is he ready to do uh, th- two wins and and eight podiums? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I would have said that before. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's a good yardstick to measure because they've raced each other a lot, so that's a, it's an interesting. Yeah. Yardstick. You know, a lot of times you get in a situation and you're talking weirdo matchups. You're like, man, these guys have barely even raced, but these guys. Have raced each other a ton, and I think quietly everyone is really putting Roxon as the fave. I think, from what I hear, I agree. I've got to think. If you're like, yeah, but I got to think if you're Tomac, you're like, well, I know I can beat that guy. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. One of us touted Barsha as a title contender and RV's biggest threat. I'm not going to say who it was, but one of us said that, and they were terribly wrong, way off. Um. We didn't see a well. We didn't see a great Barsha at the Monster Cup. He was just coming off ankle surgery, though, and new bike and everything. And uh, a month later in Lille, he was maybe the second best guy. Hard to say. Brayton crashed out, um, and then at, at Genoa he crashed out really badly. So where are we at with Barsha, JT? Like, is is was he as good as on the Honda and Tomek was that much better? Is he struggling to adapt to this bike? Is he back to old Barsha or 2013 Barsha? What, what's I it? think it's a combination of, 
you know, adapting to a new bike, because let's keep in mind, he's never ridden anything but a Honda. So there, there is a, uh, adjustment period there. And then he's coming off, you know, a long layoff. And I think, uh, I think people underestimate what that does to you. Um, you know, injury, not only are you away from the bike and you're, you're declining, but everybody else is building, they're getting better while you're, you know, getting worse, to be honest with you. So, uh, I think it takes time. I, I, you know, I think it was a big wake up call for him, uh, to where he needs to be. And, and the question is, is how much of that gap can he close down in the next six weeks? Uh, because I, I can almost guarantee you he went in there thinking that he was really ready. And I think he probably realizes he has a lot of work to do. Do you know, like we were talking about this in our group text message that will get us fired, but, um, Barsha always rides like his balls are on fire. Like he has to get to an extinguisher ASAP. <laughs> you know, like literally like he is. The checkered flag was an extinguisher. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's whipping and he's scrubbing and he's revving and he's aggressive and he's attacking because his balls are on fire. Uh, are so, they on the handlebars as well? Or? No. Well, sometimes. Yeah. A lot of times. Okay. okay. Um, I feel like I'm not seeing that right now. Although one of you two said that you guys uh in the week or something right but yeah his his instagram videos are like he's the best rider to ever ride a motorcycle <laughs> really yeah really <laughs> incredible <laughs> we each back uh, yeah up. there's a video i think it was a video we had i think it was a video we had in race race films too which is like the second barcher video after the dirt shark one uh there's just one lap where he does, and it's just like, ooh, I've never seen anybody do that okay. on a before. Okay, I'm not seeing these things, although I did see him bust out some big, insane quad or whatever on his Instagram that was pretty big, but I didn't see balls on fire riding. You guys are saying you're seeing it. I saw it, yeah. Uh, one video, yeah, if you watch um, the racetrack films, they had to have Barsha and Pike, and no offense to Pike, because he will beat the living crap out of me if, if he hears this. But you watch Pike, and you know Pike's a good rider, and then you watch Barsha in the same video and the same track, and you're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> you feel good, like? Do you feel like you're like Barsha looks like he's five seconds a lap faster? He probably isn't, but it looks that way. Do you feel like uh, Pike's gear is holding him back at all, or how's the gear? Oh, gear was great. <laughs> the gear is great. <laughs> um, Damn right it is. Hey, timing. How is okay? We've clearly seen, I think, Tomac and Kennard turn the corner with the bikes, right? Isn't that pretty clear at this point? They've uh, no. figured something out. I don't know. It seems like it. I don't think, I don't think that's 100% for sure on my end, but I, I think we're, okay. we're seeing that. We're seeing it. But So what's Barsha's timing here? What happens if this ends up flip-flopping within like the six-month span that he wasn't riding and then leaves and, and all that? I'd like, to see him, I'd like to see him put Showa on the JGR bike and all of a sudden just take off. <laughs> just, just mind f everybody. Sealy's running Showa. Sealy's running Showa. Yeah, Sealy prefers is. the Showa apparently. So it all goes yeah. back to Wygant to what I've been saying for months and years. These riders are nut jobs, just nut jobs. And but it's hard to deny how good Trey was with the new stuff. But if some struggles happen, do we see some changes? I don't know. I don't know. Um, speaking of Pike, what's new, Weege, with with Pike? Anything like uh, anything you hear from those guys, or how's that working out? I'm actually going to find out. I think he's here this week, so I plan us to go <clears throat> hang out for a little bit. 
maybe tomorrow or Thursday. I think mm-hmm. it's there. But um, they all seem, you know how the Pike thing works. They all seem surprisingly happy. And I use the word surprisingly because for whatever weirdo cloud that followed him around that prevented him from getting on teams, prevented him from getting the respect that mm-hmm. he probably should have gotten for a while, like it's still surprising a team that even already has now chosen to sign him. <laughs> like he hasn't really been that bad. Like I, whatever rep he had, it's almost still there. Like they're pleasantly surprised because I guess I don't know what the expectations were. I don't. But, uh, huh. I don't. I don't, get it. I don't know Pike real well, but I hung out with him a little bit at Lille. Um, and he is a unique individual. Uh, <laughs> like we make fun of him being a nihilist and not caring. And in, I'm telling you guys, and I, again, I don't know him that well, JT. You do. Um, I do. He's really that way. There, he, there's not many F's given by Weston Pike. If if yeah. if you're standing in front of him, or you're 20 feet away, or you're not there, doesn't really matter. No, he doesn't. He doesn't hide much. He's going to say whatever is on his mind at that moment. There's no thought about. Eh, maybe I'll just keep this to myself. No, no. He and he is seem and he is a little bit like what Billy Corgan was saying. He's got a lot of rage. He does. He has a lot of rage, uh, despite all his rage. He's a rat in a cage. <laughs> um, he, yeah. Like again, I don't know him that well, JT. You know him better. But some of the things that he was saying, I looked at him like, "What? <laughs> what did you just say?" And he would just look at you know, and I would I would say to him, "I'm like, really." And he'd be like, yep. <laughs> uh, I think he might. He's, And I don't think he's a huge fan of everything I've written or said about him, but I don't care. I think he's going to be one of my favorite riders because he is not scared. Whatever it is, that's what I'm getting at. I don't mean I don't think they're surprised like that he's riding well. I think yeah. that's expected. I think it was just they thought, oh, man, you get this guy attitude, the drama, it could be bad or whatever, but I think so far they've all gotten along pretty well. But I guess what you're saying is true. Like It could, it could go sideways at any moment when he, I guess, the way he... J-Bone yeah. J- 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 said to me, like, it's a bit of an adjustment because they'd be like, hey, you know, how is that? It sucks. Oh, whoa. <laughs> like, 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 really? Like, we're just, you know... I, just they're not used to dealing with someone like Weston Pike. It's not in a bad way. They just they've all had to adjust. J Bone said, sort of Weston's <laughs> Weston's honesty. So, <laughs> right, JT. I mean, yeah, he's like an Instagram post, no filter. No, no, pretty funny though. Um, and people, you know what? Remember he got into it with Barsha last year, and um, people talked about them signing with each other and what's going to happen, and and. You know, obviously, they're not going to get into it, and they are teammates. But I'll tell you this. There wasn't a whole lot of interaction between them and Lille, and they were five feet apart. Like, they're not I, – I don't think – I think they're fine with each other. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they hate each other. But they were not broing down. So, whatever. Just an observation. I don't know if Weston bros down with anybody, though, JT. Uh, he does. No, he does. He likes to seven – I just don't think he really cares to bro down with Barsha. I think he likes to seven-deuce-deuce. I think he broke. Yeah, down. I mean, I've stayed in the same room with him a bunch of times. Like we're cool. Like we used to hang out all the time. Right, right. I think he's a little bit more selective. You know. Yeah, I think he still has that huge chip right there, just sitting on his fly jersey. Yeah, it's it's definitely hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Hey, it's gotten him to where he's at. You know. 
So, um, Geneva Supercross this weekend. Adam Cincerillo is racing. Is he racing a 250 in the 450 class? Because I know they've done that before. But there's also a 250 class. Does anybody know? I doubt he's racing the 250 class. I think that's just for French dudes or whatever. Yeah, they used to do, they used to do two separate classes in a super final. And I, I don't know if they still do that or not. When I was there, Moose Scan rode the 250F against Brayton, you know, on the 450. Right. So I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Either way, it's good to see uh, him back out there. I think last year they were supposed to have Durham racing the 250 class. He just didn't because he got hurt. But he was <clears throat> okay. racing the 250 class, and then they put a French guy on it. Sullivan Julian, not Julian Sullivan. <laughs> uh, Had a mistake in the TV show last year where Aaron Bates was calling him, I think, Sullivan Julian, but his name is Julian Sullivan or the reverse. Mm-hmm. So then yep. we're like, well, she's there. She's talking to him. I guess that's his name. So that's the way we announced it. And then the next week I saw the big at the races, and I'm like, is it Julian Sullivan or Sullivan Julian? And whatever we said for the entire hour-long show, we had it wrong. <laughs> and I think it's actually Joanne. It's not Julian. Oh, well, maybe that was our first so. mistake. Um, <laughs> was, this the, was this the same broadcast as the Swing Arm? Swing Arm Gate? That was an Enduro Cross Oh, yeah. okay. Where Aaron Bates reported the Husqvarna Swing Arm is eight pounds lighter than a KTM Swing <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and, and are you still doing that color on that on the Geneva Weege, or is that still happening? I don't know. I didn't know about it last year until January. It was so weird. It was on Mav TV like three months after the fact. So maybe I will, but I probably won't know for for a month or so. Right. Uh, who else is going? Yeah. Brayton. Uh, I saw Dakotas is going. Pike is Pike is going. No. I got Pike's a list here from. Uh, I was just talking to Eric Pernard or emailing Eric Pernard this morning. Cincerillo, Mookie, Muscan, Hill, Chisholm, and Jimmy D. Yeah, I saw Jimmy D's going. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, it should be good. And uh, well, Brayton's got this on lockdown, right? No, Muscan. I, I think Marvin could be good. Yeah. Brayton's not on this list, I saw. Oh, Marvin's not on the list. Marvin is. Brayton. Brayton's not. Brayton's yeah. not. Oh, you know what? He hurt, he hurt his finger. He's probably not going. That's right. He was supposed to go. He's him. He, you got Jimmy. Jimmy D got his his bone. His. Uh, Do you think Jimmy D got the same spot. start money? I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what about um, Cincerello? Do Do we think? I kind of think he's going to be West. You got? What do you guys think? I mean, I know we'll never know, but if you had to gamble. And I'm in Vegas. Where, where would you put him at? I'm thinking West. I think it'll depend on how this weekend goes. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I think if he comes out and he's you know really ready and looks mm-hmm. great or whatever, then I think Mitch won't have any reservations of putting him West. So I would, then I would agree. Do we know anybody's coast at this moment? Hampshire's uh, West. I know that. Mookie's uh, West. Yeah, Mookie's West. Yeah, they've actually stayed Hampshire's in West. Hampshire's Those West. Those are the only two I know. Weege, what do you know? Anything? Yeah, the Geico team is kind of known because of what they had to do because uh, Jordan Smith didn't race arena cross, so he has to race arena cross in January, so he has to race east. Oh, yes, the so, uh, RC Road to Supercross. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. it actually is real. Like, a factory rider got forced into uh, arena cross. So so that means Hampshire has to race west, and Bogle got hurt, so Mookie has to race west. So I think we only know that team because they were forced into, right. uh, into the roles. Where would you put Bowers? 
Arena Cross. <laughs> I, I, I think about round six of the outdoors, Bauer's going to wish that he was back at Arena Cross. <laughs> um, what, what, what would you guys do? I think I would put him west, but yeah, I don't know. I, I could make a case for both sides. Uh, basically, I, it would go something like the west because he's a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and he's going to be on hard pack and it's not going to matter that he weighs a little bit more. But then I would say the east because those arena cross tracks are totally like an east coast track, so he's right. going to feel more comfortable on that. So do what you want with that. Those are my Those are mm-hmm. my waffling sides right yeah points to both what about hill and muskan do we know those two for whatever reason um muskan has always been east he was he raced east previous time he was going to race it last year you know he got hurt and didn't race at all but the plan all along was to race east um so i don't know he must just like that better so because of that I would expect it to be, and, and Hill rode west last year, so why not just keep him? Hill could win, right? I think Hill was, was one of those guys where you're like, eh, going to be in there, podium guy, whatever, but coming off that Monster Cup thing. I mean, this guy seems to have a ton of confidence. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think the Cinturillo, um, <clears throat> I think Cinturillo so much pivots on him. You know, I know that people are going to get mad if you're not on his side, because we know it's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. On his side, you're not going to like to hear this. But he did so well in his rookie year. No offense to say like Cooper Webb, who did good, but he wasn't winning races and leading the points. Mm-hmm. There's a, obviously the potential in his second year to take a huge leap. If he takes a huge leap, he could be, you know, pretty dominant considering he was already winning. Uh, but you can't guarantee that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think so much hinges on him. He could he could come out and just be lights out even in the West. But I mean, it's going to be hard to say until we actually see it. I think, I think we think Davalos is on the east because he looks like he's still recovering a bit, right? Do we? Yeah, I don't think he was riding until yeah. three or four weeks ago. Like, yeah. For real. Yeah, I think, I think he'll be east for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's and just because of injury or whatever. So, um, well, we can play that. We can play this game forever, but uh, let's stop. Let's not because right. we'll never know. Right. Um, Michael Byrne uh, signing with Team 2 2. Uh, JT, what do you think about this? Uh, test rider slash fill in. What's what's your thoughts on that? The two six back. Well, I think it's actually a pretty cool move. Um, I think it serves a few different purposes. You know, the main one being um, it helps that team with get a lot of testing done, and also uh, gives Chad a guy to train and ride with because it's uh, you know him being in Florida, he's kind of isolated and doesn't really have someone to to gauge off of and, mm-hmm. and ride with. Where all those guys in California and all over the place typically do. Um, then also, you know, it gives them that fill-in guy, which we kind of saw with Nicoletti last year. But the difference is, is Burner's not really, you know, Burner's kind of on the backside of his career where Phil's kind of trying to build up. So for Burner, he's got something solid with a real job for the team. And if, if he needs to fill in, then great, he's ready because he's done all the work to prepare. So I actually think it's kind of a win-win for everybody. I think it's actually a pretty cool deal. So you're saying Coy Gibbs and his fill-in program is an innovator? No. No, I, I don't. I don't think that the two are really related. No, I don't. Okay, all right. Chanceability, Weege, that uh, someone gets hurt and Michael Byrne has to fill in. Is it a hundred percent? Or at least pretty high. Just saying, one race. Yeah, just saying, just one race. 
couple yeah, of races. I'd say 100% chance that at some point he's in there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I told him that last week when I was in Florida. You should be ready to race at some point. Right. Uh, we covered this on the Pulp Show last night, but why can't uh, hold the horse, hold your horses? JT thinks Reed looks terrific. Thinks he looks great. Pre- predicting, predicting greatness for his one of his best friends. You guys are ridiculous. I was thinking about the Reed thing, and he's playing the once again everybody doubts me card. I know he is. I think we're all saying, <laughs> at this point, we know better. We're not going to do that. No one is saying that. No yeah. one is saying he's done. But, but I thought about it a little more, and then I thought about it a little more. Wow. And Jeez. he still might actually have a point. Because I think, again, if you were to put a gun in everyone's head or true serum or lie detector and said, do you think Chad Reed is going to win the Supercross title in 2015? All the people, everyone who's saying, oh, he's going to be good, I don't know if anyone would say yes. To, the, title? To the title? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Right. See, that's the problem. And I think, at least in his mind, and maybe rightfully so, he's thinking, no, I have as good a chance as anyone. So if you don't think that, then you are doubting me. I, I'll I, take uh, him. <laughs> JT picks him <laughs> for the title. Put me down. Yeah. Mm, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right, Reach. Hey, who did the stat? What's the most number of years someone has gone between Supercross titles? Three? Two? It isn't, uh, it, is, it isn't much. Yeah, Wyndham's gone four. Or, I'm sorry, Reed went four. Four years? Yeah. Four to eight. Okay. So Chad has now gone six years between his last one. Uh, this would be seven. This would be the seven. Right. And James last one in 09? 09. Yeah. Five years for James. Um, so both of those guys are, are definitely trying to make Supercross history. Um, but- I think with Reed, you have to just take all those numbers and just throw them out because it's just what he's, he hasn't won the title since then, but what he has done is pretty ridiculous and goes against, I mean, just the age that he's won races and how competitive and how many times he's been done and switched, started his own team and all this stuff you're not supposed to be able to do, and he did yeah. it. So I think you have to throw almost any number like that out. It just doesn't apply to him for some reason. If RV was still there, I would say I would, I would give Chad a lot less of a chance of winning the title because I just felt like RV was better than everybody, just better than everybody, straight up. Without RV, I don't feel like Roxon, who let's say is the, the favorite, I don't feel like Roxon is on RV's level. He's good. He's great. I don't feel like Roxon is just better than everybody or James or any – you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't. Do you feel like that, Weege? Do you feel like RV was just better than everybody? Yeah. Well, it's the simple math of you had a guy who was a three-time, now four-time champ coming into the season, or would have been four-time champ coming into the season, versus essentially no one has done it before. I mean, Stewart and Reed have done it, but it's ages ago. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of clean sheet for them. And I mean, winning this title is obviously a pretty big deal. I know Roxon just won outdoors, but. To just hand the trophy over to a guy who's never actually done it and has won two races ever and it's only his second year, it does seem a little bit crazy. I mean, you just cannot put anyone at the same level of Filippotos no. that he won well, three or four in a row. So what that means is that's why Chad Reed can be justified, in his own mind at least, in being like, well, why not me? 
or Tomac can feel that way, or Barcher can feel that way, or Canard. Like, all those guys can justifiably go there and say, I think I should be able to do this, which would be a lot harder, I think, to say that if Villapoto was on the line. Weege, I was just going to bring up something, and, and you made my point right there. You did not mention Dungey. You, no one has mentioned Dungey. Yeah, I didn't mention Dungey, and no one is. Although I have to say, I think in this case the reason I didn't mention him is just because he's probably the only guy that didn't need that boost. I think, like, probably the last three or four years, Dungey probably always did think, okay, this could be my year to get another one of these. So I feel like that's the same. I, it just It's crazy. He finished. He was the second-place guy last year in the points, you know, and that's – more due to consistency than outright speed, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's 17 rounds, and he got second. It's just nuts, JT, a little bit how we discount him. And I don't mean we discount. You know what I mean, though? We haven't said his name once. Yeah, but I I think we'd be silly to discount him. I I definitely have him penciled in as, as one of the favorites, if not the favorite. I do. I think he's right there. I, I think anybody who would not have him there is silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's just not the uh, high-profile pick because there isn't much mystery there. Like, you don't – Barsha's got a new team, and, and it's – Kennard has apparently changed some stuff up that's working, and Brockton has a new team, and it's so much buzz from that title. And there's just so many storylines around everybody else where Dungey's deal is pretty much the same. Now, there are some changes we could talk about, but I think that's the whole thing. It's like – the known is Dungey, and then everyone else is a complete unknown. You don't know what you're going right. to get, and that's just getting so much more intrigue. When does uh, um, when does Roxon, Dungey, or, or and or Jason Anderson all there at the Baker Factory or part of the Baker Factory? When do they get like their cookies crossed and get pissed at each other? When does the bakery? Oh, when, do, when does the cookies? bakeries? When do the bakery people get a little? It's just a play on words, JT. Mika Mika Cookie would be good there. <laughs> the Mika Cookie Cookie. Um, you know what I mean? When do the uh, when is it? Be- hey, here's one. You guys ready? Are there too many chefs in the Baker Factory? <laughs> good one, Steve. <laughs> good one. Come on, come on. Give it to me. Are there too many chefs at the Baker? Are there factory? chefs in a bakery though? Are they bakers? Whatever, bro. Probably part of the problem. Stop it. <laughs> Figures I would come up with a good food analogy, huh? Uh, There's no reason to even go there with this anymore. Like, come on, Roxanne and Villapoto, it was fine. Do we need to keep keep bringing this up? Hasn't it been proven that it works? It's okay. But maybe RV was a unique individual. Well, he, he is actually. We know that. But uh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Think possibly. Uh, Weege, Davey never listens to this thing. So could you please blow up that photo of Giuseppe, Caroli, and RV? Can you send it to Todd Gendro and Davey Coombs, please? <laughs> With the thumbs up. With the thumbs up, please. Greatest photo. If you folks haven't seen it, it's RV and Caroli shaking hands while the one got thumbs up and <laughs> <laughs> I got them, I got them. Attention, Todd Gendro and Davey Coombs. <laughs> I got them. Oh, I love it. Oh, um, come on, you're the voter. You put yourself in the picture like, come on. I know, I right? Mike Goodwin. I know. Did Mike Goodwin do that stuff? Like the most flamboyant guy? I mean, come on, man. You're the promoter. 
I know, but it's just epic for so many reasons. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the thing, though. There's no, So there aren't too many chefs in the Baker factory. Uh, I think, I, I believe there's a bigger risk. None of those guys not getting along. But I just don't feel that program is for everyone. And when you throw it out there, how many dudes are doing it now? Six or eight or something like that? It's crazy, oh, Jesus. Right? Yeah, there's a ton of them. Yeah, I just don't know if everybody is cut out for that kind of thing. I could see some people just going their own way personally because they want to themselves, not because they have a problem with somebody else. I had a guy tell me before Anderson went there that he would never last, it would never work, and that Jason Anderson does not want to work that hard. But, hey, it's been working out. So that guy, that pit gossiper, he's wrong. Yeah, but it's only uh, beginning of December here. Like, it's a very, eh, oh, I you know, we also do something about Rockson, too, and he's fine. I mean, this is the hardest but, time, though. If you can make it through this, it's you're, uh, you're home free. Hey, I got a question, JT. Okay. I posed this today on the RacerX site. All I hear from most trainers is, you don't understand. They don't train like Rocky Balboa. We have to hold them back. We have to make sure they don't overtrain. You can't peak too early. They don't ever really go all out. Training is really about not doing too much. That's really what training is all about. Then you hear Alden Baker, who the statistics prove is the most successful trainer ever. All you hear is, oh, my God, he just works his guys so hard. <laughs> Overtrains him. So Overtrains And it seems to work. So what's happening here? Uh, I think that they're talking about two different times because I think in season there's some truth to that. But I think right now, which is like, you know, hardcore boot camp time, uh, yeah, they're they're working incredibly hard, like harder than most people realize. All guys with all trainers are, or just Baker's guys? Well, I think you know the the serious guys. You know, I, I think I don't know what I don't know what everyone does, but I think uh, yeah, I think there's a big number of guys that are working. I mean, just insane amounts of work right now. Well, that's what I mean. I'm saying like it's not just the guys that are trained by Holden Baker, in general, a rider, a top-level rider with a top-known trainer is probably working very, very hard right now. Yes. Yeah. So why are the trainers always saying, you don't understand, we never worked them that hard. We never uh, worked them that hard. Because I, because I think that's true during the season. I think that, I think that they do. Well, don't, I think, we, don't use words like never then. I mean, it's like well, you can't say yeah, that, I mean, we have to hold them back. We have to hold them back. We have to make sure we don't overtrain them. Yeah, I, th- I think that they're they're forgetting they're forgetting about how hard it is right now. Yeah, okay. Because that, that their statement is very true for eighty percent of the year, ninety percent of the year, but this six or eight week span, it's not true. Can we gotcha. can we cl- also clarify that a lot of trainers are um about as much of an ast- about as much of a trainer as I'm an astronaut. I mean, I don't know which guys you're talking about, Weege. I have no idea, but there are some. Come on, there are some guys that you know are trainers where you're like, really? You're a trainer? No, oh, I'm an astronaut. Cool. So, um, all right. I'm just impressed you're able to stay on the sidelines. Let JT and I have that little discussion because I knew I knew you were coming with that. No, I knew it was coming. It's just, I mean, there's some things in our sport that you know are just just make you shake your head, and that's one of them to me. And 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 a, a, a guy like Alden Baker though, or or John Tomac, I'm, I'm you know, those guys are gnarly. They know what they're doing. So, um, 
Hey, let's take a commercial break here and then come back and we got to talk about JS7. We have to. And uh, there'll probably be some screaming and yelling. But uh, BTOsports.com, a Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. We're going to take a commercial break here. Listen to this uh, commercial for Race Tech Suspension. Use the code PulpMX14 because you probably need some suspension work done or some parts for your suspension. And uh, we'll be right back here. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people. At least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, BTOsports.com. They probably sell Fox Racing, huh, JT? I. Uh, Hope not, but I don't know. No, okay. All right. I bet you they do. Um, use the code PulpMX when you're checking out at uh, BTOsports.com to save yourself money. All right. Wygant, you've been on this thing from the start. You've been talking to Mike Webb. You've been talking to some other people at Suzuki. Uh, James doesn't like me. I haven't been talking to him at all. What's going on with James, James Stewart? Is he going to be on the line at Anaheim 1? This is what's strange to me. Those guys have been pretty cool and pretty open and honest throughout a lot of this process, but haven't heard much as of late. Um, and I don't think that means because they already know the news is bad, because I think whenever official news comes out, everyone's going to know. You know what I mean? It's going to come out in a press release or something like that. But from talking to those guys around um, Monster Energy Cup time, I think they just felt like it was a matter of time. Shortly, this will all go away. And, dude, it has been a long time. What was the last time we did a podcast? October 21st? October 21st. I would think at this point they're getting nervous because from what I heard over there was, as we already know, his he has gotten a therapeutic use exemption now. Mm-hmm. And I think they were under the assumption that once we have that, now it's just a matter of time. They'll see that this, you know, he's approved and it's okay for him to use this amphetamine and that will clear everything. But the fact is that the rules were broken in the first place. He has got the exemption now. Yeah. So no one really knows for sure how they're going to interpret that. They might say, hey, okay. Going forward, you're fine, but you still broke the rules oh, in the first place. I would think, I mean, you're acting like they might not punish. I don't, of course they're going to do something because he did broke the rule, break the rules. I mean, right, JT? They're, they're going to do something. I don't know. I'm just completely confused at this point. If it's- they... If nothing happens and he shows up at A1 and we still never hear a word, won't surprise me at this point. <laughs> there are going to be some angry people in the pits if that happens. There are going to be uh, angry people. 
people. So oh, yeah. I think I think everyone's oh, yeah. over it. I do. I think everyone's over really? it. Really? Yeah. I think the anger subsided. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I think everybody assumes like doing nothing. If he gets fined and still races, that is the equivalent of doing nothing. Correct? Isn't that the way everyone would see it? Well, well but look, there has to be a press release, right? There has to be. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. think there will be. Okay. But see, I was told when he went to his uh, hearing, which was a couple days after Monster Energy Cup, and there are some that theorize that they purposely made the hearing after it to prevent him from racing. Um, you'll never know why they picked that date, if that's sure or not. But it was, okay, within 30 days, it'll be known. Well, we're well past 30 days now. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if it was so easy and cut and dry, TUEs are here, we're good to go. It's just a matter of time. They're going to see the paperwork and say, you're clear. I would think you would have heard that by now. So the fact that it hasn't happened is making me wonder if that is going to happen. I mean, if they <laughs> – okay, let's, let's, put, let's put some odds on this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What are the odds there is no press release and nothing done? JT, what do you think? Pretty low. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they have to say something. So I'm going to say like a thousand to one. Okay, they have to say something. Yeah, I say zero percent. Okay, there's no way right. nothing is going to be said or done at all. Okay, well I'm just we're no we're thirty days out, man, and nothing's <laughs> happened. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but they don't have to. I mean, technically, they know what the schedule is. They really don't have to say anything until there's an actual race. But I mean, so, you, your whole team yeah. and James and all his people—they're all gearing towards his A1. He's training. They're ordering parts. They're Figuring yeah, that's not really their concern, though. Well, I mean, you'd think they'd want to, you know. I mean, I, I, I well, agree. I, think, but I mean, I understand what you're saying, but that's... Feel like this is, some people, stewards can't feel like, you know, that technically is a punishment in its own way. You know, making them work under these weirdo circumstances, that somewhat is a punishment in itself. So, yeah, I don't think they necessarily feel like, hey, man, you broke the rule. We don't owe you to make it easy on your team. Your problem. Right. Okay. What are the odds that he – what are the percentage? Because, JT, I don't like when you drop those odds like that. I can't figure it out. I'm not, I'm not good at math. Um, what are the percent chances he misses some races? Weege. Uh, I'm going to put him pretty low, although I have heard that although the, the way this is structured, the FIM ultimately is the one that makes the penalty – not WADA. Mm-hmm. I have heard that if WADA says the penalty is ridiculous, like too harsh or too lenient yeah. in either direction, they have the right to take it to arbitration and say, no, 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 no. So I still believe that he won't miss any races, but uh, there's a chance, I guess, if they announce that, that WADA would be upset with it. Right. JT, what do you think? But I'm going to say very, very low odds, I think, that he misses the race. Okay. But not as low as nothing gets done, nothing gets released. Those are no. I, I'd say, okay, you want numbers, right? Yeah. I'd say eighty percent chance that he races, zero percent chance that nothing happens at all. No press release, no fine, nothing. Okay, I'd go with that. I think. JT. Now I admit that oh. proving myself wrong. I've I've gone back and forth with this. I, I did think late summer or maybe early September he was in huge trouble. It certainly has swung back the other direction now that he's gotten the therapeutic use exemption. But uh, I guess there's still a chance, like I said, that Wada could overturn the whole thing and say, nope, you broke the rules, buddy. Right. What do you think, JT? 
I think it's pretty low. I was going to say 10 to 20 percent. So I think I'm pretty mm-hmm. pretty much in line with with what we just saying. Uh, I think I, just the way it's gone, I, I just picture this thing getting drawn out and like, oh yeah, well, time served and you know, whatever. He got his TUE. We're gonna whatever. So. Kind of a little bit of a mockery, though, right? I mean, we've all heard, oh, big, it's not up to, to Feld, it's not up to anybody, it's it's WADA. These guys don't fool around. I mean, think of all the rhetoric we heard from all these people in the pits that, you know. Oh, yeah, he, no, I agree. I agree. It's definitely and, uh, yeah. not, not anything that we've seen in the cycling world or anything like that, but mm-hmm. just just seems how the sport goes. Doesn't matter who's in charge. <laughs> it so does until, right? I, until I see differently. I'm going with the status quo. Right, it does, and that's what I've always been saying. And I've been saying to these people in the pits, we don't do anything. Nothing's going to happen. Well, JT, you got some points taken away for illegal fuel. I did. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was huge cheater. Yeah, but you know, Ch- Chad had a, a 38 point lead and got twat. We'll take 25 away. Just, just you know. We got to sell some tickets. Ricky did, and then they're like, "Nah, you can have back." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Brian Lunas apparently RJ's bike was underweight back in the day, and Brian Lunas put an axle on the seat, and it passed, and everyone just went, "Oh, okay, you're good." Did he put a chain in the the uh, swing in the skid plate? Bottom of the skid plate, like he's boss. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Jeff Emmett got busted for fuel right in '96, '97. He got busted for fuel for something. Uh, I don't think that stood either. What's that? No, that did stand. He actually, um, I think he actually lost some money over that one because he got third in the series, maybe instead of second or something like that. Oh yeah, I okay. lost five grand. There you go. How'd not you lose? That, not that that's big money, but how'd you lose five grand? Uh, points fun. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You dropped a position or whatever. Hey, wait, JT, you might know this one. I've heard this. Uh, clarify this for me. I heard that there was a year. What years did uh, Burn race for? Factory car was it like oh three oh four? Would have been oh five oh six oh four oh five oh six. Okay, yeah, that's right. He was Stewart's teammate. It was after Carmichael was gone. I heard that there was a penalty. Remember, they got penalized. They got penalized for fuel, right? Yeah, on the outdoors two strokes. Yep, for outdoors. Jay Bone, who was working on the team at the time, he has told me that those points that Burner lost. He had like a top, if you finish top five outdoors, you are automatically renewed. He didn't get top five because of that. Didn't get renewed, and then they signed Ferry. Great move, though. No, that's not true. That's not really. Well, that's not the story I've heard from him. Uh, The story I heard was negotiation gone bad. Okay. Uh, Burner's agent overvalued him, basically thought they were going to sign him no matter what, and as soon as they kind of countered with a really high number, they went and signed Timmy. And that was brilliant, by the way. I just want to say. Um, but can we agree on this? Can we agree on this with the JS7 thing? I don't really care what he gets, what happens. I think he needs to get penalized and a fine and loss of uh, points from the race from Seattle, like whatever. That's, that's a slap on the wrist and it means nothing. But he's got to get something. We can all agree on that. And can we all agree on that the fact that this is drawn this out is ridiculous? Do we all agree on that too? Or is this is this oh, yeah, fine? There should be some screaming for sure. What? There should be some screaming. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I agree. And and he, he, he should but he should get penalized. You knew the rules, you knew you needed a TUE, you knew you were taking something that was banned. 
you should get penalized. Now I don't. I, I've you know people in the pits are like, oh, two years. He's gone for two years. You know, give me come on, give me a break, people. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like he was pumping HGH into his system or something like that. It's a simple uh, Adderall thing, which we see actually. And if you follow NFL or Major League Baseball, it's that's it's everywhere. Adderall it seems to be like the new thing. But um, yeah. So he's gonna get something, right? And this is ridiculous. I think there's a lot on us, and on us, the three of us, and, and other so-called journalists of the industry. We're all so-called journalists in this sport. Just ask Coy Gibbs. <laughs> um, you know, we can blame the sanctioning body or the FIM or Stewart or Suzuki. We can blame a lot of people for not, um, you know, for for no information coming out. But if this were a real sport with real journalists, people in our position would be turning over every rock and stone to figure this out. Have you heard of anyone involved in this sport who has said, hmm, maybe I can call somebody at WADA and find out how this actually works or call somebody at the FIM and find out how this works? I think the sport is so tangled. I mean, if we're going to make the same claims that promoters are scared, they don't want to miss him because he's going to sell tickets, well, I think we're all in that boat. It's a perfect example of the sport being too small. People are afraid to uncover huge stories like this. And I can tell you, you know, I work for a magazine or a website, right? My boss is not saying, you better find out what's going on with this, <laughs> like you would if we were to the New York Times. And I don't think Don Maeda is doing that with his guys. Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm shocked, I Don. The only I'm, one sure. that would really, huh? I'm shocked Don hasn't done a big expose, <laughs> big thing on well, this. I'm just... that's, my, that's my point. I think the sport, you know, you're really blowing things up when it gets something this big. And I think everyone's a little bit afraid of that. Um, and that's just the way this industry always is. It's too small, and people don't really want to do that. It's, if you're working for the New York Times and you find out some politician sex scandal, you don't care about that. You're just caring about selling newspapers. But everyone here is a little bit more protective. I mean, there's a million examples of this. It's like Ron Lachine apparently partied and did drugs for years, but the stories weren't really getting out until he was retired. I've heard people say, well, we didn't want kids to know that you could like do coke and win races. That would have been right. So we didn't want to say anything. So, I mean, really, has anyone in the, in the sport tried at all to really get answers on this? Anybody? Uh, JT, you been doing any digging? I got. I have a call into Wolfgang, but I haven't heard back yet. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the extent of it. I haven't really done my due diligence, other than uh, you know, a couple uh, olive branches stuck out to Wolfgang. Okay. My point. We're, there's some blood on all of our hands if we're going to complain about why is the information gone out. Well. We haven't exactly tried to go out there and get it. We've all just the entire industry has said we'll just wait till the press release comes out. So we right. take some blame on this. But they also, I, I I do agree with you. I do agree. But I think it's also fair to say that when WADA puts out a statement saying there will be no news until a final decision has been made, that kind of ties your hands a little bit. What are you supposed to do with that? Yeah. Yeah, and Stewart released a statement at Muddy Creek that also said he will not comment on this further. And they right. can all go behind the wall of, this is what our lawyers have said. We cannot talk about it. So that's it. I don't know how real reporting works. <laughs> None of us in this sport do. But somehow they get around those hurdles. We see the hurdles and we're like, okay, cool. We'll just wait for the press release. Yeah, yeah. No, you got a point, Weech, for sure. But then JT's got a point too. Like, what do we, you know? What yeah, are we, we going to do? So, 
Um, well, we need Jeremy Shap to be on James's lawn, basically. Just camp out there. Yeah. Yeah. Should be fine. I mean, this Ray Rice thing, is, 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 or the reporters are saying, listen, man, it's in the lawyer's hands. We're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But I also, think, I also think if this was a criminal case, which a lot of times, you know, big sports stories, that's where the real reporting gets done, we would, there would be more going on, more of that going on. But everyone kind of knows that it was Adderall, and the perception is not a big deal. So I don't think there's been a huge uh, just outpouring of, of, you know, we have to find out what the real story is, you know, because I think we kind of already know the story. It's just what is Wada going to do about it? Yeah, he's not. There aren't police involved in this investigation at all. Right, and and we already know the story. If that makes sense, you know, like we know he he needed it because of this this uh, condition. He's been taking it. We we kind of already know all that. So it's just we're just waiting on this decision. Where I think in those other sports, it's like we have to get to the bottom of this and find out all the details. Well, I think we've already got. I think we've got those details. Ah, uh, but the thing that people this is what journalism is supposed to be for. If he ends up you know, not missing any races. The point is supposed to be why. How was that allowed to happen? Was this transparent? Were, you know, was anyone digging enough to find out if there was any foul play to make sure he was on that gate and the system was, was screwed with or something like that? That's what that would be the case. Well, you know, and I, I, do, I do agree. I think once, yeah. I, I, once we get a decision, I think there, there should be some follow-up digging going on. You know, once we see what they decided and where they right. went with it, why and how they got to that decision should be followed up intently. I, re- I believe that. Yeah, and I think James himself, you know, his, the guys on his team have said, you know, once this is finally done and he's allowed to talk, he would like to explain his side. It probably would help him. I mean, I'm sure in his mind at least he's got a much more valid excuse than he did it to cheat and win. You know, in his mind he's going to say, that's not why I did it. So right. hopefully there would be some information after the fact, even just from him, if not everybody else. Yeah, something, right? Something. Um, I'm with I'm with uh, JT a little bit too. Like, yeah, we kind of know what the deal is. We know what it is, and we know what it's done. And I don't look at this. I mean, despite what people in the pits, I I never once looked at this like it was something so massive. And James was cheating. You know, he's just a dirty cheater. I never never went that route. You know, like some did. Like like I think you just got to be a little educated on what what he tested positive for. And don't get me wrong, I think he should be punished. Something should happen. But in the end, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. But we should. I, I can't believe we haven't heard yet. I, I really can't believe that. That's that's. I think if you're yeah. James and his people, and there's there's millions of dollars on the line here, people, millions, and just nothing. So, like JT said, water doesn't really care, but someone should be pushing for this or doing this or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe well, Giuseppe. Uh, Giuseppe's too busy. All the FIM guys are too busy with Giuseppe at the banquet with Caroli and RV. <laughs> Give me so, thumbs up. Yeah. Is okay. Last question: Is RV going to win this thing? I'm going to go with yes. Weege. Uh, I'm going to go with no. How about that? Okay. All right. Fantastic. That'll make this interesting. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be going to any GPs, Wygant, to check this out? I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm into it, but not that much. (laughs) 
Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know what? I think I want to change my answer. I think I want to change my answer. I just saw another damn video of Villapoto today on Facebook. <laughs> He's wheel tapping like some kind of damn ballerina. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> have, you, have you seen the one he put out today? Yes. Yeah, I know. I saw uh, it, too. Someone should rent a projector and a white screen and sit outside Caroli's house and just have that on the loop. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for these that. wheel taps? I've gone so far trying to be neutral on this, you know, you know, never be the, you know, the USA, USA guy. That's, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be unbiased. What am I saying? What am I saying? I believe the best riders in the world move here. Not that Caroli is a slouch, because I'm sure if he did move here, he'd be good. He's one of the good ones that chose to stay. But I just feel that I know the United States lost the motor across the nations last three years. But in general, I feel like the best guy here is the best guy anywhere. It's going to be a lot tougher because he's, you know, completely foreign soil, literally. But, dude, the guy's been crazy good in his career. Maybe the second best all-around rider in the history of the sport. So I guess I should probably put my money on Villapoto. Screw it. I'm going to sound biased. Fine. Mark it down. Stamp it. Biased. Caroli's JT's buddy now. You know what sold me? Is all along I've been on this. If he's all in, then I'm all in. But I think he is. I mean, he's over there. He's in Europe already riding, training. He's at all these different tracks. I, I like what I'm seeing as far as uh, him being prepared. So that, that's kind of what sold me. Yeah, and he does still have the relationship with Alden Baker, which is strange because Alden, I think, has gone out and said, I don't know where any of these rumors came from, or Philip Hodes said, I don't think we never, you know, of course we're working together. I don't know if that was always, was it always cool? That Rosie? Nah, that's 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 not true. I, I I understand where Alden was coming from with that, but I I disagree. Yeah, but the bottom line is they are together now, or back together, or never were apart. So yeah, that's a really good sign, I would say. I think there was definitely some touch and go moments there where they weren't working together. If anyone disagrees, that's their own opinion, but that's that's my opinion. I'm not going to waver from it. I don't know, but you I. I texted Cincerillo while we were doing this and told him about my chef. Too many chefs in the Baker factory line. He said it was a good one. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself right now. Did, does he know that there's no chefs in a bakery? Dude, whatever. I'm sh- the, there's pastry chefs. It's the same thing. Nah, they're bakers. Oh, I mean, come on. You're always trying to friggin' uh, uh, <laughs> pop my balloon, bro. <laughs> you were doing this in Finland too. You were doing this in Finland too. Same, th- same idea. Same thing. So, um, all right, everybody, is that it? Are we good? I think so. Uh, we need to talk about David Millsaps real quick because we haven't mentioned his name, and that would be very bad. Do, you want, do we need to talk good. about Cole Steele, too? <laughs> At least he's a rookie. At least I can hide behind that one. Millsaps will be good. Just want to put that down. Well, we played a little game on Pulp Mech Show last night. Future headlines for A1. JT, JT loved this game. He was a big fan of it. This is one of the worst games ever. Here's the headlines for, for A1, Wygant. This is Cycle News headlines. Love it. Uh, potential. You tell me which one's going to work. Um, oh, wait. I forgot it already. <laughs> Hold on. i got to dig it up. i got to dig it up. Is it... Is it Rocks and Rocks? No, no, that's not that one. I know that Are we one. Are talking about Millsaps one? Yeah, okay, here it is. Millsaps on the box? Yeah. Or Millsaps off the pace? Thank you. Which headline do we see? Millsaps makes the box. Millsaps off the pace. 
technically the cycle news headlines would only really talk about the winner. They don't really start the story out with the guy that got Thanks. second or third. Thanks, a-hole. But you got what I mean. Okay. But, but this is in the, the, the wind uh, section. This is in the wind. <laughs> By Papa Wheelie. This is <laughs> this is uh this is the 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 cycle cat the cycle cat thing what what was that cartoon motocross cat motocross cat <laughs> team, team Smitty yeah team Smitty does, Smitty does team Smitty say Millsaps makes the box or does team Smitty say Millsaps <laughs> off the pace uh, I say on the box more likely really huh yeah man uh, yeah hey if we're gonna put any stock. If we're putting any stock in these Tomac rides, I don't. Tomac was not better than Millsaps at Monster Energy Cup. He wasn't. If anything, Millsaps was better than him. Maybe they were equal. It was just starts. It was a weirdo track. Blah blah blah. But uh, if you put any stock in those off-season races, you can't just discount I have Monster to, Energy Cup, can you? I have to admit, I totally forgot that Davey won the Monster Cup. So you just, just had some Monster stock. Sold it though. I did. Yeah, I did. Uh. <laughs> Um, That's why we have to mention Millsaps. It would be a crime if we didn't say Dungey's name, if we didn't say Millsaps. Well, we're we're gonna have uh, our season preview. We're gonna have our season preview pod. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. Yeah. But you know how these dudes are. We've dealt with it. If we don't even say his name here, it will be considered a punch in the balls. So there you go, Davey. Well, you guys are all leaving good. out Kennard, and that's who I think is going to be really good. So mm-hmm. if we're if we're making sure we have everybody in there, please don't forget about Trey. Well, look who's Trey's coach. Fly racing is Trey Kennard. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. Uh, Scott Goff. Remember when they had, remember a couple of years ago, they had a season preview a TV show where they had all those guys in a poorly lit studio. It was, uh, I never was watched it. Right. Stanton, Emig, Carmichael. And they, and they all picked the guys that they, for the teams they used to ride for? Yes. Right. Yes, Kennard, a rookie in the class, Stanton picked him to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt. But you can't really argue the Trey thing. Look at his track record the past four or five races he's done. That's regardless of my biases, it's pretty uh dude. Pretty tough to say he's not gonna be good. His coach knows no, how right to his coach knows how to manage titles. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there's anybody who knows No, how... I don't. Oh really? You don't think he managed the ninety seven title? He knew. <laughs> he knew what to do. He knows it's a long season. You don't need to be up there every time. Just some of the time. <laughs> well, in that case, none of the we time. Might be fighting over, <laughs> might be fighting over, will it be Fly Racing's Trey Kennard or will it be Tim Ferry's Trey Kennard? Which Trey <laughs> Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, like Timmy's in with uh, the owner of Alias, Mike Grondahl, who purchased RV's old place. And if you follow Trey Kennard, he's there at RV's place. And RV's in Spain. And since they're alone, Roxon are down the road. Things are weird, man. <laughs> it's really, yeah. We need some sort of like a flow chart for this, too. Strange days, indeed. Yeah. Canards at RVs. Yeah. Uh, Roxon's at a new place. RVs in Spain. Everybody got that? So. What about Timmy? RV, RV was at Langston's, but now Canards at RVs, which is actually <laughs> aliases. Yeah. Ran by Tim Ferry. And Chad was once at Grant's. Which was also Langston's where RV was. <laughs> what about Ferry's old place? Is it completely leveled, gone, or is somebody no. else by that? No, he's got it. He still lives it and everything. Like still lives there and everything else. I I don't think it's a full supercross though. I think it's kind of a mellow place, but it's got outdoor track still. Gotcha. Um. Okay. Okay. So we learned uh, that uh, JT thinks Chad looks great, and 
this JS7 thing's ridiculous. And I think we about covered it, right? Riders right. are nuts and trainers are nuts, I think. Yeah, BTO Sports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing, BTO Sports.com, and Foxhead.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Weege. Thanks, JT. See ya. No worries. Yeah. See ya. This has been the BTO Sports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and-